Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Lockdown Sports Minnesota. On today's show, we revisit the 2017 Vikings draft class, which is almost kaput with Dalvin Cook now on the brink of being traded or released. Hey, this is Arif Hassan with Pro Football Network. I love the offseason when we get to just make up stuff. Luke Inman at Luke underscore Spinman. So jacked for minicamp next week, guys, so we can finally watch this highly anticipated kicker battle start to heat up. Ali versus Frazier 2.0. Get your bets in now. <laughs> I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, and I don't need to tank to lose. All that and an early Ron Johnson appearance coming up on the Minnesota Football Party. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Welcome into the Minnesota Football Party today. I'm Sam Ekstrom, joined by the full array to get started. It's Sam, Luke, Hassan, Ron, and Braun to get us kicked off here on a Thursday. Coming up, we'll talk Dalvin Cook's future, and the 2017 draft class is almost entirely gone from the Minnesota Vikings roster. We'll also uh, put a bow on this Darius Smith deal and some other Vikings items as the hour rolls on. At the end, we're going to do a former Vikings draft. It should be a lot of fun. But Ron Johnson joins us to kick off the show. He's at 3RonJohnson on Twitter, and he hosts the Ron Johnson Show here at Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Ron, good morning to you, my friend. What's new? Oh, man, nothing, man. Just got Bernard Barron coming on next week, uh, locked on. Going to sit down with former Vikings and Bears receiver, talk about the uh, the draft and where those two teams stand in NFC North. And then uh, Mo Lindquist, head coach, former Gophers coach, former Cowboys coach, but now the head coach of uh, University of Buffalo. He's going to join us as well at some point within the next week or two. Uh, so it should be a fun couple of day, or a couple of weeks coming up. Yeah, and uh, Gophers softball pitcher Autumn Peace on the show yesterday. They debut in the NCAA tournament on Friday, so make sure to check them out and, and Autumn out as their NCAA tournament run gets kicked off. Well, Ron, everybody's talking about Dalvin Cook. We've talked about it on the Ron Johnson show as well. I guess my question for you is, like, assuming Dalvin Cook is departing from this Vikings team, do you still think he's got another big season or two or more left in him at his new destination? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, Dalvin Cook is, is a running back. Um, like somebody was just bringing this up, the most elusive running backs in uh, in, in football history. They have Marshall Falk up there, uh, Gail Sayers, Barry Sanders. Um, and when you think about Dalvin Cook, somebody and then somebody said uh, Shady McCoy. And I'm like, man, Dalvin Cook is a better true running back, I feel like, over Shady McCoy. But he has the same amount of uh, like hands. He's not as uh, shifty as Shady. But I feel like in the right offense, Dalvin Cook still has a big season in him because, I mean, I hate to say it, I wouldn't put him with the 49ers because you don't want to face that. But even with a team like that that knows how to utilize running backs, yeah, I think Dalvin Cook still has it in him. Ron, the NBA lottery was last night. Spurs get the number one overall pick. Now there's a little discussion starting to heat up a little bit. Should the NFL go to a lottery type of system for the draft? What do you think the pros and cons are? And if you were voting on that, which side of the fence are you leaning? 
I say, yeah, do a lottery. I don't think there's any cons to it besides the fact that teams can't tank anymore. Like, there's no more tank for Tua or, or, you know, tank for Trevor Lawrence. Like, you won't have that. Like, teams might tank, and that gives you a bigger percentage chance. Uh, but the bottom three teams in the NFL, or at least the worst team in the NFC and the worst team in the NF, or sorry, the AFC, they get the most balls, I guess you want to say. We go If you go with ping pong balls, because uh, now it's computer generated, which is a total, it's rigged. Uh, it's a total scam. But if you look at you know going to true ping pong balls where it's anybody's fate, not a computer that uh, Adam Silver can type in. Greg Popovich, please don't retire. Um, you can you you can get that formula set. So now the worst NFC, worst AFC teams, they get the highest percentage, which if you call it fifteen percent, and then the rest trickle down to the next you know whatever fifteen team or sixteen teams. Uh, the next four worst from there, the four worst you know worst and the worst from each division. You know, there's all kinds of ways to do it, but I would say yes. I, I'd say yeah, they should do that. I want to go back to uh, Dalvin Cook. Where do you think he ranks among all Viking running backs throughout history? You got like Chuck Foreman and Adrian Peterson, obviously, but yep. You know what about among some of the other names? Ooh, I'd say you know so so Chuck Foreman, you know, having a chance to meet him, talk to him, uh, hearing his stories about his time as a you know before his time type of runner. You know, he was Christian McCaffrey, as he would put it, before Christian McCaffrey was was born. Oh, um, Chuck. Chuck Foreman uh, was definitely a beast. I say Adrian Peterson for sure is one. Uh, Chuck Foreman would be two. Uh, Robert Smith, I think, I think would be three. Uh, and then from there, I'm guessing Dalvin Cook is four because uh, there's not a name popping out to me right now that I could say would be better than Dalvin Cook. But yeah, I'd put Dalvin Cook fourth. Yeah, that, that all makes sense. Um, when you kind of approach, because we're about to hit minicamp, right? Mm -hmm. When players approach minicamp, you know, they're – um, how how exactly do they prepare themselves? Like, what's the mindset for for the approach there? Because there's just so little that can be done on the field in order to kind of maximize themselves. Right. If you're Kirk Cousins, you're Justin Jefferson. It, it's it's country club time. You're chilling. You know your contracts are good. Uh, the goal is don't get hurt. Uh, that's the goal for guys like that. For guys like uh, Jordan Addison, it's a little bit of anxiety because you're new. You're trying to learn this offense. You want to prove that you deserve to be here. You don't want to have the Jamar Chase early headlines if you can't catch an NFL ball because there's no stripe there like it was in college. You don't. You want to avoid that. Um, and then you go down to guys like Andre Carter II. Uh, it, it's tough to prove what you can do without pads on when you're an outside linebacker. Uh, but again, it's about fits putting your body in the right spot. Do you understand when you're supposed to blitz, when you're not supposed to rush, when you're supposed to drop? Do you understand Brian Flores' defense? Where can you fit in on special teams? And then, of course, for all those undrafted guys, it's all about special team, proving who you are. Uh, and, and the biggest mindset, I think, for everybody is don't get hurt. Like, that's the key. Don't get hurt. Like, don't do anything stupid to get hurt, for one. If injuries pop up, there are, you know, you can't do anything about a guy running down the field and just stepping weird. Uh, but you can do something about a guy out there doing backflips that hurts his ankle because he's celebrating or, you know, tears a hamstring because he didn't warm up properly. Like, those are just guys that are dumb. Uh, but but the injuries are, are you know, it, it's a, it's one of those games, any sport you play, you're, you're, every time you walk into the field. Uh, but the mindset is consume the playbook, uh, stay well-rested, and stay out of trouble. The easiest way to get cut now is get doing something stupid before you even make the team. And that's the other part of this. Like, Mall America, great. Uh, going downtown to Rick's Cabaret, don't do that. Uh, you, you, it's just not going to end well. Ron, I've got another one for you about Daniil Hunter in, in the closing minutes here with you. Um, yeah. What do you think the resolution is going to be 
with Daniil because I would not expect to see him at um, these organized team activities. Probably not minicamp either unless a deal gets done. I think he'd probably just eat the fine on that. Um, are we looking at a holdout situation? Will he eventually get extended? Uh, will the Vikings play hardball with this contract negotiation? What are you thinking? Well, he's a proven commodity. Uh, he knows his worth. Uh, he knows there's a lot of teams that are looking at I me. Mean, Denarius. Zadarius Smith, uh, his counterpart, got traded. So there is a market for guys that can get up to the quarterback. So for Daniel Hunter, I think his biggest thing is I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to be out there doing anything that I could get hurt doing um, until I have a long-term deal to secure my financial security. Now, some people are like, man, this dude's made a lot of money already. True. Uh, but that doesn't mean you can't make more. Uh, that's like telling Jeff Bezos, stop selling stuff on Amazon. Like, it's just never going to happen. Like, guys are always hungry, and I think Daniil Hunter is one of them. Uh, for, for a guy like Daniil Hunter, uh, it's business. You know, I, I think we can't take it personal. Coaches won't take it personal. He's not taking it personal that they haven't offered him the money he wants. Um, so they can't take it personal when he misses organized team activities, mini camp, and who knows if he waits to the last day of training camp to even show up or if he waits to – you know, just, you know, two weeks into it before the first, you know, I don't know what the rules are. And like you say, eat those fines. Um, but I'm pretty sure he's going to let the team know and his agent's going to let them know, like, hey, my, my guy wants to be there. Uh, can we come to some type of agreement, uh, whether it's an Anthony Barr type deal, give him maybe more money now to let him out of his contract to test out free agency. Who knows what the deal ends up being? But I know he wants to be happy uh, and they want him here. So it's just at the end of the day, if there was no salary cap issues, just like the Yankees have, they would sign Daniel Hunter no problem. Uh, but again, this is not the Yankees. This is the Minnesota Vikings in the NFL, so it doesn't work that way. Because even and, if it was the Twins, I still don't think they would spend money. Like if it was the Twins, if the Vikings could operate without salary cap, but they took the Twins ownership, they're still not going to do it. They're still not going to go win the championship <laughs> with money. Yeah, no, I, I don't think you're wrong about that. Um, speaking they're of money, sign Johnny Ron, Manziel. I I know. <laughs> Should the Wilfs, if the Twins owned a, a football organization, they would sign Johnny Manziel. They would. <laughs> should um, the Wilfs buy the Twins then? Yes, so they, they should. Could just spend. Okay. Yes, they should very much Phenomenal. so. They and were they would uh, put apartment. They would put an apartment building right over in that opening space <laughs> uh, at Twin Stadium uh, to to, to kind of give a new skyline to the to the field look. Yeah, <laughs> condos yeah. in right field. They've got a big, massive condo going up in left field right now, and it looks hideous. It's like dwarfing Target Field. Uh, so that's that's all. That's, but that's the that's, selling point, though. You get to live yeah. and watch TV from your bedroom, butt naked in your living room if you want. So hey, yeah, it's it's a much better view from the apartment looking down on the field than it is from the field looking up at the apartment. That's for sure. Yep. Um, Ron, I know you got a roll this morning. We appreciate the time and the the answers and the insight. And uh, we'll talk to you on the roundtable with Reggie Wilson on uh, Friday morning. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about PJ Fleck and where he he landed on the top twenty five coaching list, uh, and then we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about NBA playoffs. But then, of course, Dalvin Cook and this Twitter uh, battle with the Vikings of them taking them off the banner. We got to get to that a little bit more. Yeah, we'll dive into it tomorrow. Thanks a lot, Ron. At three Ron Johnson on Twitter. Yep, you bet. All right, good stuff with Ron. Um, before we get into the twenty seventeen draft class. And I also want to follow up on, on Luke's question about should there be an NFL draft lottery? Because I think that's interesting. Luke Inman and I just did a Minnesota sports rank em episode. And the prompt was top one-year wonders in Minnesota Vikings history. So the criteria being players that spent one year with the team and only one year, they balled out, and then they left. They were gone. There are the obvious candidates. There's the Jeff Georges. 
Case Keenum, who we both almost forgot about. Case Keenum, probably the top quarterback on that list. Um, was he only with the team for one year? He was. Gus mm-hmm. Verrat, 2008, goes eight and three. Oh, good. And Gus, we over. trust. Gus the bus. Yeah. The Gus Bending bus. the rules just a little because he was with them previously, but we'll count Correct. it. Correct. Yep. We'll count but it. That was a one-year like solo stint. stint. Yeah. Yep. Michael Pierce, Sidarius Smith, Yannick Ngakwe. Hey, five sacks in five games, guys. Hey, Come on. Led, led the team in sacks. Let's go. <laughs> um, all this to say, I came across a name that I had never encountered in my life, and now I want Braun to do a new documentary about him. Don Holtz. <laughs> Don Holtz. Are you familiar? I am not. 1963 Vikings. This is Don. Okay, Don Holtz. He was an undrafted free agent, you guys. This is in Love an it. era where everybody was drafted because there were a million rounds. Right. He went to Southern Miss, undrafted in 1963. This is his rookie year stat line for the Vikes. 14 starts, one interception, which was a pick six, nine fumble recoveries, 10 and a half sacks. What? And then they beast mode. Then the Vikings traded him in a six player deal to the Philadelphia Eagles for Ted Dean and the rights to Bob Barry. Ted Dean went on to have five carries for 30 yards as a Viking, and his career no. ended the next year. Six Bob yards Barry, carry. That's pretty good. Hey, those five <laughs> carries, though. Hey. <laughs> right, yeah. Bob Barry went one and one in two starts with the Vikings, and they traded those guys, uh, Don Holtz, as part of that deal, who had one of the great rookie seasons of all time. Undrafted. You said it was a six-player trade, Sam. Was it just between Vikes and Eagles? There wasn't a third team randomly, was there? Was just so the Vikings trade. gave up other players in addition to Holtz Wow, as part of that trade. It's hard to find details. Um, and but how I did Holtz do what year was the it? other 10 years of his career? 1963. 1963. Well, Holtz I, I goes on to have a... We have no oh, idea okay. who he is. Yeah. <laughs> he goes on to have a much more underwhelming... Philadelphia career though he he played for 11 more years as an as a oh, UDFA he had 33.5 career sacks and 10.5 of those were one year with the Vikings Burt Rose was cooking who's Burt Rose GM he was the GM at the time yeah okay first GM of the Vikings he uh would leave the team soon after and it would become uh Jim Fink's but not before doing the 1964 draft and taking Carl Eller. Basically took Carl Eller and pieced. And, and that's G-move. actually one of, the re- one of the yeah. reasons why they traded Holtz probably was Eller. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe they were really happy with him. He, he was not uh, like a GM by trade. He was like a PR staff guy. But that was just like who they got for the expansion team. And then after that's a few the years, dream. they were like, we should get somebody who like does this for a living. <laughs> That's funny. 20 rounds in the draft. They did not draft Don Holtz. Guys, nine fumble recoveries and 10 and a half sacks and a pick six. What a find, Sam. Man, you, you told me we were doing that top five rank him, and I was doing some research, doing some digging. I only went past, you know, maybe 2002, 2001. It was tough. Mike Wallace I got on my list. Corn Robinson, Denard Walker, the cornerback from Denver. I mean, all right, it was okay, I guess. Sam Cowart in 2005, linebacker from the Bills and Jets, second on the team in tackles for loss and tackles. But, I mean, I'm digging 
I'm doing some digging. You went deep in the well, and that was a great find, a little diamond in the rough for sure. Thank you. Appreciate that. Today's show brought to you by uh, Built Bar. Built Bar providing the best protein bars of all time. They're the best because they are healthy. They taste amazing. You're not compromising taste. You're getting 100% real chocolate. You're getting the traditional bars or the puffs with some marshmallowy flavor. The flavors are to die for. Churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream. Only 4 grams of sugar, but 17 grams of protein. They can pack a punch. They can fill you up, give you some nourishment and some energy. And you don't have to wait. You can go get them today at Walmart or Sam's Club in the pharmacy section. 4-bar box, 13-bar box or online at built.com, conveniently shipped to your door. Get the specialty flavors there. Head on down today, get some Built Bars, stock up for the summer. You can thank me later. All right, um, Dalvin Cook is in the news. We're wondering when he's going to be uh, released, traded, what have you. But I-, I put this together this morning. Dalvin Cook is the last remnant of the 2017 draft class. And I thought now would be a good time to revisit that six years later um this was a big class this was a classic rick spielman class where he didn't have a first round pick um dalvin cook was his second round pick and then he had i believe 12 all told um one yeah, two he three, started four, that five, draft six, with seven, two eight, thirds and two 11. fourths and then he he traded one of those thirds to move up and go get dalvin if i'm remembering that correctly and then Would he pulled you, a classic yeah. Spielman and ended up getting four seventh rounders at the end. But um, yeah, you're right. It was a huge class. I would, and 11 players is the number. <clears throat> I would argue that the 2017 class's failures, part of the reason this team kind of ran into trouble in 2020 and 2021, because most of these guys' careers are over. You've got a couple journeymen still hanging on, Pat Elfline and Jaleel Johnson. Afadio Denebo might be the best pick in this draft behind Dalvin. Um, yeah, I would I would say it's probably Afadi is probably the best pick. Ben Gedeon, if he didn't suffer multiple concussions and have to end mm-hmm. his career early, you know, would be up there. And then after that, I mean, you could was Jalen Holmes in this class? Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, a bad run, uh, twenty sixteen to twenty eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> big time. It, it takes more than one. I think. Yeah, it's that that run of three drafts where. Yeah, like, yeah, because you, you end stuff up with mid rounds not going well. Essentially, just Dalvin and Brian O'Neill. I think out of that, out of those like thirty picks over those three classes. I just wonder if Spielman. Just put myself in the mind of Spielman there after he hit on guys like Stefan Diggs in the fifth round in 2015. Stefan Weatherly, J. Ron Curse, even David Morgan in the sixth and seventh round in 2016. I if he thought, hit, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, I, I'm really good at this. I'm good at finding these day three gems here, and that's what really influenced him to have so many seventh round picks or day three picks just in general moving forward after that. But yeah, all told, you're right. I mean, Pat Elfline, third rounder, bust. Jaleel Johnson, fourth rounder. Think about it too here, guys. I mean, if you remember back to that offseason, going in, they rolled with TJ Clemmings and Matt Khalil, obviously a huge failure there. So they signed Riley Reef and Mike Remmers, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Correct. But going into that offseason, offensive line was probably the number one need. So they shore up that need in free agency, obviously. And then your two, three other biggest needs going into the draft, I guess, were 
defensive tackle. Now, you had Linval at the time, but Sharif Floyd, you needed a three-tech. Didn't really know what was going on with Sharif Floyd. Kind of had a plan for life after Sharif yeah. Floyd, I guess, if you will. We, um, we didn't know he was back. like done for good yet, right? Yeah, no, mm-hmm. you're right. No, good The point. Vikings and, probably knew, though, that he had no nerves left. True. Oh, um, yeah. Running back, you didn't know what was going on with AP. Probably have to plan ahead without him as well. And then just more offensive line depth, too, even though you signed the two tackles in Remmer and Riley Reef. Just not a lot going on on the interior there as well. So those were kind of the needs I remember going into the draft after the free agency in the offseason. Yeah. Bucky you know, Hodges? Bucky. Bucky. I'll never forget Bucky oh, Hodges. Combine warrior. I was super stoked. Freak. I was so excited was for him. supposed to be like a third-round pick. Yeah. Yeah, he ran like a killer 40. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And then Rodney Adams was like the big social media guy. He was mm-hmm. the fun interview, yeah. the energetic guy you were hoping would stick. He didn't really pan out. Who else was on that team? Came oh, Stacy Coley. Play year for the Bears. Danny Isadora. Right. Yeah, Danny Isadora from Miami, the guard. Right. I think he got some run, didn't he? He played in like, I don't know, a handful or two of games as well. Sure. Uh, sure. He why not? It, I've got it's one really a shame because sorry, Sam, I just think this last thing, it's really a shame because these three draft classes, some of the most promising players were players who got moved around a ton, like a Fadi, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, got moved All around a ton. Yeah. yeah. That, that might've been able to prosper if they had one position or one clear development path ahead of them. It, it, it really sucks. Like a Jalen Holmes. I don't know if he was ever going to turn out, but he got moved from edge rusher to defensive tackle to edge rusher to defensive tackle. Same with the Fadi. And it just would have been nice if these guys could play the position they were meant to play from the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the Vikings drafted a lot of tweeners in, in this, Tons. this era. Particularly like, like, yeah. A, it was like a philosophy of theirs too that like, oh yeah, we could just like, you know, he can move, he, he's a tackle, but we can play him a guard. That's fine. We can move him a little bit. We can yeah, do it. was like a coaches are for it. coaching kind of thing. Yeah, I get it. It was like a philosophy like all over and it, yeah, it wrecked a yeah. lot of players. And I, when I did think it ever that work? was like one of the biggest things leading to the, the offensive line being I mean, bad it, for like a decade. Right. If, if we're going to include the offensive line, like tackles to guard switching and stuff like that, Ezra Cleveland at guard, which I thought was a money mentally bad idea incidentally at the time that one did work out although he had to play left guard he couldn't play right guard it turns out that he was just a Mm -hmm. left-sided guy played left tackle in college right but he was he was a guy whose profile screamed tackle taller guy smaller like as thinner right like the density wasn't quite there strength was a weakness of his like physical strength was not something that that would characterize his scouting profile it was more athleticism. So moving him to guard, long arms, moving him to guard didn't make any sense to me. That one did kind of work out, but That's other than that, that, strength wasn't like a because now you watch like he can. Move yeah, yeah, yeah. he now. moves people around. That's, yeah, um, that's dope. But yeah, uh, I don't know how many of these position switches aside from Ezra Cleveland really did work. Like I, you could say Afadi worked out because at defensive tackle he outperformed his draft position, right? But Man, it is. It's tough to like Jack Tocho at safety instead of cornerback. That didn't work out. <laughs> like, man, it was. It was usually the man a was signed and cut move. more. <laughs> like after, like Pat Elfline after two underwhelming years. Let's try him at guard. Oh, didn't work. Um, mm. you know, T.J. Clemmings they tried at guard. That didn't work. Mike Remmers they tried at guard. 
that didn't work. And it Maurice be- Boringer, let's try him as a football player. A football player. <laughs> didn't yeah. work. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? If never apologized. That, never for apologized drafting for that, that spider chart. Absolutely not. Um, when you when you pull up the 2017 class, and I know this is so easy to do in hindsight, second guess everything, but when you just look at where kind of the hot spots or value of that that class was, you look at the end of the second round beginning of the third round Deion Dawkins pro bowl tackle now drafted as a guard by the way pro bowl tackle now for the Buffalo Bills Alvin Kamara Kareem Hunt Cooper Cup the move to trade up for Dalvin Cook nobody's going to argue what a special talent he is he only played three and a half games that year though he didn't really help you win that year I mean uh, Latavius Murray the L train was the guy that you pretty much rode the whole way to that 13-3 and magical season. Um, Maybe if they were ahead of the curve, and again, I know it's easy to say now, but they got ahead of the curve and said, all right, running backs don't matter as much and wait a little bit longer and drafted a guy like Kamara or Kareem Hunt or even um, I think it was the Panthers drafted Deontay Foreman. No, he was Houston originally. Deontay Foreman drafted a running back a little bit later and then took a stab on some of those other big names like uh, Cooper Cup, right, Deion Dock, I'm just looking through the even an Ethan Posick. No, not a pro bowler, but yeah. still in the league, right? Serviceable. Dalvin Tomlinson was uh, a pick at the end of the second round. And again, they already had Limbaugh, didn't necessarily need a nose there, uh, but they did need defensive uh, a tackle help and depth there, too. So Posick is interesting because he also had the position switch problem. Uh, yeah, it, it was right. Seattle, right? Because they, they were like, we, he is a six, six center. That is mm-hmm. that's what are we crazy. Doing? We're yeah. going to play him at right tackle. And he was bad at right tackle. And they're like, okay, that didn't work. Let's play him at guard. And he's bad at guard. All right. Let's play him at center with final year of his contract. Seattle, he plays center. Wonderful. Goes to Cleveland, right. plays center. All right. 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 <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. And I remember coming out of LSU, I believe it was, he was known for like, that was one of his strength. Like I can play all five positions, Yeah. but nobody wanted, I mean, center <laughs> was the last one that you're yeah, going to was like to. bet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh pretty interesting draft class. And again, easy to cherry pick. Right. But there is got Chris Godwin. They didn't really need a receiver at the time. Kenny Galladay was out there. Janu Smith end of the third round. I think the biggest steal of the entire draft was in the fifth round. George Kittle. Second pick in in round five, oh, yeah. one forty six. George I, Kittle. That's I'm going to count that as a hit for me. I like so Kittle nice. So Did you? Bikes Good. could have yeah. taken Kittle instead of Hodges. Uh, yeah. yeah, in theory. I mean, yeah, I, obviously they'd have to take Kittle earlier, but yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got mm-hmm. one yeah. very short Hodges story. The one, I don't know if many people have Bucky Hodges stories, but I've got one. Matthew Collar was like eight of them. Well, Collar <laughs> and I go way back with Hodges because we had a milkshake bet about whether That's Hodges right. would make the 53-man roster, and he did. So I won the bet. And then he got like one day the next week. Yeah, for one day. I remember that. Yeah, he made it for one day. That counts. That counts. That's a deal. We take those. We went to arbitration, and I ended up winning that bet. But that's not even the story. The story is uh, John Krasinski. That's fair. That's yeah. A more impartial judge you could not find. Uh, (laughs) He's yeah, very upstanding. Um, so during OTAs, Bucky Hodges is a rookie. There's an uh, a sideline route thrown to Hodges, and Hodges like fumbles around, doesn't catch the ball. There's a cameraman that is sitting on the sideline in a stationary position. And Hodges was like too clumsy to get out of the way. So he just trips like hardcore over this, this photog and Rick Spielman, who's in his traditional like spot about 30 yards behind the line of scrimmage usually doesn't say much golf cart yoked up. 
Yeah. Rick Spielman yeah. looks over to the, the camera guy. I'm not going to say his name, um, but he goes, hey, you, get the blank off the field. Screamed at him. Get the F off the field. And uh, because Bucky Hodges, heaven forbid, could get banged up if he runs into more photographers. In in fairness to Spielman, there is a reason we're not allowed to sit on the sideline. Like we we have mm-hmm. to be standing on. That's one of the rules uh, of uh, yeah. of OTAs and training camp is that you have to be standing um, if you're on the sideline. It, it was actually it was a team employee, someone who was allowed to be kind of doing, oh, was allowed like, to do VPN. whatever. Oh, so he he was well within his rights to yell at him because we don't have employee rights in this country. That makes he was sense. yelling at a at a fellow employee of the Minnesota Vikings, a colleague. At, yeah. As a superior, let's not be. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't this isn't like a teammate to teammate. You know, we're all part of the same group project. Yelling. This is this hey. is a superior yelling at. Employee. I mean, they, yeah. I mean, may, maybe they had hierarchies back in 2017. Not now. I mean, Quasi would. Quasi oh, would everyone's never. Equal in Quasi's world. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's getting yeah. input he from everybody. So many times. That there's no true. subordinates in Quasi's world. Collaboration. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's no like no, the quality no control coach has just as much say on the draft board as the general manager. That's you have to believe yeah. that. Um, and I fully do. Um, we're partnered with Sirius XM. You can hear all of the Locked On Sports Minnesota shows on the Sirius XM app or the XSXM app. Um, also, you can hear the local games: Twins, Vikings, Timberwolves. It's all Twins right now. Twins just uh, lost another one to the Dodgers yesterday. They're back at it tomorrow Good against wins. the Angels. Search Twins on the SXM app. Luke brought this up uh, with Ron, and I want to get your guys' take. NFL draft lottery. Um, NHL does it. NBA does it. Luke Braun, should the NFL do it? No. Why? <laughs> no. no. Uh, should, we, should we bring Thor Nystrom out of the show? Oh, Jesus. Uh, Why? Is he a so big here's proponent the deal. for it? Or what? No, we, we had, we had Seeing Luke got into it all. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, no, it, so here's the deal. The culture of the NFL is extraordinarily hostile to the idea of tanking. Like the conventional wisdom is that GMs, you know, they can pull a roster apart and they can try to tank coaches to some degree. They can like, you know, bench a player. They can do the Doug Peterson thing. I don't think you're very long for this world when you do that, but I guess you can, but players physically, cannot do it there's a lot of reasons for it i mean these guys are just too competitive of people you could put a ham sandwich on the line and they'd play it like it's a super bowl but also you know you how long do you have in the nfl in your career you're not i was, gonna, I was gonna add there's here. also no guaranteed contracts for players and when you don't have security it makes it really difficult right. for you to solve the principal agent problem right that the agent has a different incentive than the principal. exact yeah. And, yeah. And there's and there's 22 starters too. Like who's the only impactful guy you can really pull or bench? It's your quarterback. I mean, that's it. Really. That's going to Yeah. Like influence the, that, the cliche the is the that that they call it the the NFL stands for not for long because you're kind of constantly earning your job. Mm-hmm. So dogging it is just never really going to be an option for players. So GMs can pull rosters apart, but you could even argue like is that actually tanking or is that just rebuilding, right? And and there's a, a strategic merit to saying oh you know we're just going to pull this apart and rebuild from scratch so that there's more focus to it because we just went through three coaches in three years because we're the browns 
and you know we're we'll we'll, we'll try to build something with more fo- and like there's merit to that but i wouldn't call it tanking i would call it just sort of a, a, a long-term strategy not losing on purpose to get a better draft pick gms right. can say tank all you want but i mean they can offer their coach six figure sums of money the coach won't do it that's brian flores mm-hmm. right yeah. and um, also and also at this that that coaches like brian flores or any coach really knows that even if they're offered security in the year that they quote unquote tank um if they take three or four additional losses that year that's going to be part of their resume three years down the line when mm-hmm. when when the when the owner is trying to figure out whether or not to hire or fire a coach. Fair or unfair, right? They'll mm-hmm. add, you know, those three losses to the that resume and say, hey, you're a 500 coach. That's, you know, when really ever since the tank, they've been an above 500 coach or something like that, right? And so uh, right. It, it is difficult to get out of that. Here's the thing. I don't think tanking is a reality of the NFL. Honestly, genuinely don't. And any team that looks like it's tanking soon loses its front office and coaching staff. And so the people who are tanking are not rewarded for it. They don't get to take Mm, advantage of the picks that they get. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think that tanking is a genuine phenomenon in the NFL. And if it is, it's fairly rare. And when it does happen, there's always a whistleblower because, like Luke said, the culture of the NFL is that someone is going to say something and then teams get penalized pretty heavily for it. But I don't think the lottery is a bad idea within the top three. Only mm-hmm. because, and the only reason is, I hate it when fans say, you know, Houston screwed themselves out of the first pick by winning that last game. I absolutely hate it. It is a oh, fair. Non- yeah, shut nonsense- those people up. I'm into it. Yeah, it's a nonsense reason, yep. right? It has nothing to do with like the mechanics of whatever. Appeasing or shutting up fans is the lowest priority possible. But like Ron kind of said, there's not a ton of downside to the lottery <laughs> and, and so yeah. i that's that's why i would do it if there are substantial downsides i'm missing then that's fine this is an element of parity within the league but honestly is the third worst team that much worse than the worst team in terms of record very often you know the worst team by record is not the worst team in the nfl and so i don't know that it resolves the parity concern you know as much especially if we're if, we're, if it's a small lottery at the top it, I, I wonder and, how many of our listeners are Timberwolves fans just punching air right now. <laughs> hey, they, they 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 finally got some first picks. It took some trades. <laughs> they got Edwards. They got well, yeah. they got a guy. Right. Um, yeah. Just to back up to both your points, like even if you tank in this league, like to your point, let's just say it's year one of this new regime, and it's like I'm not even close, and I know I got some time. I know I got three, four years here before the leash starts to tighten. Even if you tank, you still got a hit on the pick. And it's not like the NBA more times than not where those top two, three players are always franchise altering pieces. I mean, yeah, look at how many top five picks in the last 20 years have turned out to be bust. I mean, let alone number one overall picks. Jermarcus Russell comes to mind for everybody right away. I mean, I think it's a, a topic of discussion right now because everybody is already starting to get geared up for the Caleb Williams show next year, maybe Drake may, and those guys only come out. Caleb Williams comes out once a decade. And then even then, I mean, look at a guy like Andrew. We had one like three years ago with Lawrence. That's true. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, there, right. There's always that guy, but I feel like 
But even then, though, I mean, look at okay, Andrew like, Luck. Were like he could come out after high school. Yeah, yeah. Luck Andrew Luck comes out, out supposed to be the next Peyton Manning, best quarterback prospect to come out since Peyton Manning. Kirk Cousins has lasted longer than him in the fourth round. I mean, I know it doesn't happen often, but there are still no, no, even no. You're, outside you're, the your first overall round. your overall point is correct, right? That that talent in yeah. the NBA draft is concentrated at the top and is a little mm-hmm. bit easier to identify. There are of course busts in the NBA sure. draft, obviously. Right. But the NFL draft is just less concentrated in terms of talent. A second round pick in the NBA means virtually nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, past the the, top 12 picks almost means virtually. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I think that there there is something to be said there. Um, The one last thing is that and this is a very small consideration as well. And so like the the small consideration I gave before was was tiny. This is also minuscule is that. I do appreciate the way the current structure is set up because it just by a little bit increases the strategic diversity of the NFL. I think that if you had a lottery system that was substantial, was really significant, it made it really difficult for the worst record to get the first pick, relatively speaking, it would make it less likely that teams would pull a Rams, right? That would mortgage, uh, you know, their future, uh, in order to get in order to get picks, and of course the Rams did it without, or in order to get a chance at the Super Bowl in in year one or whatever of of a of a heavy move, and of course the Rams did it in a way where they didn't even really get to benefit from those draft picks in a, in a huge way because they traded away picks as well. It would be next year because I mean the Rams might be the worst team in the league. I think I had them as the worst ranked defense and worst ranked offense in the NFL, but. Um, but you know the Rams could could very well end up with like because I believe they have their first round pick next year could end up with the with the first overall pick uh, because of their strategy and it's kind of nice that you have a little bit of strategic diversity in the NFL. You've got some teams that are like, yeah, you you got to build your team internally and win the right way and you know develop your players and not sign too many free agents. And you've got teams at the complete other end of the spectrum that are just like, Jalen Ramsey's available. Yeah, let's trade a pick for him. Mm-hmm. Hey, Matt, Matthew Stafford's available. Yeah, let's trade a pick for him. Mm-hmm. You know, we got Aaron Donald. We got our first round pick. We won't be needing to pick in the first round for a while. And now we're going to go all in. And when this blows up, and it will, when this blows up, we'll have a high pick. Mm-hmm. I would be very much in on the idea of a bottom three or bottom four lottery. So you avoid the week 18 situations where, for instance, some teams are completely packing it in. Like the Vikings beat a Bears team that could not have had less interest in that game, right, in week 18. Um, and that could cause some competitive disadvantages around the league if you, when you have that versus – Every like you know that you can't solidify the number one overall pick. You get put in a group of three or four, and then I'm in on the spectacle of it because the NFL tries to control the calendar, right? Twelve months a year, there is a little lull post Super Bowl pre combine. Could we set up a lottery, make it a big thing like February twentieth, oh, and have God, that be no. the next? The <laughs> no, you don't want more. Um, Profit, manufactured profit first drama that will put <laughs> D- cash TV, in the NFL like, coffers. They're already ruining the combine. Please, God. I think it'd be fun to watch. It would be a spectacle for sure. I mean, a giant, you know, they would make it a giant spectacle out of it, and it would be very dramatic. Teams but are is it best their... for the league? Is it best for the game? The, I, don't so know. I think, without a doubt, like one of the greatest components of the NFL, and I think a lot of people think this and agree, is the parity in the league. Any team can go from worst to first with one good offseason, 
I mean, there's really not too many other sports like that, like the NFL setup. You're right, Sam. It all depends on how you do it. Are you just going to do the bottom three, four, five teams? Because who was it? Somebody yesterday, I think it was Florio maybe, and, and Chris Sims were talking. Florio was talking about like, all right, you, you split it up to where if you made the playoffs, you're not in the lottery. All right, you just get your order as, as how you finish. But mm-hmm. every other team, so you're talking the top, bottom, I should say, 18 teams, you know, teams like the Steelers at 18, and they all have an even shot at getting the number one overall pick. Now, granted, it's all a, a very long shot, one in 18 shot. But, I mean, something that like sucks. that, I, I think that would be terrible. That, like, that would, yeah, now you're insane. separating, I think, the teams from the playoffs or that were close to the playoffs and the teams at the very bottom of the league, you're separating that gap can you, even Can you further, imagine if the 2008 the Patriots got the first overall pick you, yeah, because what? Tom Brady got hurt? Yeah. That's cr- they were 11 they had right. an 11 win season Which with Matt is exactly Castle. what right. would happen cuz right. 100% mm-hmm. this is getting rid or yeah. if or yeah. if like you know uh Philly trades a vet and gets New Orleans next year's first round pick so they have two first round picks but one of them's a lottery pick and all of a sudden it's the number 1 or number 2 overall pick something yeah, crazy it, it would, like that would, like rich get really, richer yeah it would really bother me if like a, a team with a good quarterback that just needed you know a couple of pieces like you know the perpetual chargers right um you know if 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 they ended up with like the number one overall pick and were able to trade that down for like eight different assets like it would it would suck because like Mm -hmm. uh, like you said luke um parody is a characteristic of of the league that i think distinguishes itself if if we are holding a lottery for like the bottom three or four teams not an issue to me but once you expand that to include teams that could even have like winning records, that's crazy right. to me. Right. That's crazy yeah. to me. I, I think that mm-hmm. the lottery should expand to make sure that you, with almost certainty, include the worst team in the NFL every year. And that's probably bottom four teams by record. It is possible for the worst team in the NFL to luck their way into four or five wins. Uh, and maybe be out of that, but with near certainty, probably a ninety-seven or something percent chance, the worst team in the NFL will be included in the bottom four picks. And I think that's you'd have probably to, where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd have to like change the argument because I think as a, a a normally the lottery argument is, man, tanking is everywhere. We have to do something about it, which is just not true. But if you could say it's argue it so, somehow as as like that, like the. Uh, you know, hey, the the worst record in the NFL isn't necessarily the worst team in the NFL. So let's try to sort of mix it up that way. I could be a little more sympathetic to it, but it still feels like like I think about that Texans Colts game that that Lovey yeah. Smith won. A, I mean, they I were think that people really are mad at Lovey Smith about it. I hate I that. Love that. I yeah, and I hope they die mad because Lovey Smith rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that like, guy, I mean, he, and he probably in that game probably saved someone's career. Right, just by playing hard. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. probably. Um, but like, if if you had a draft lottery and that game was functionally meaningless, um, it you know the the team would still play just as hard because why not, right? Yeah. Um, but it wouldn't have been nearly as fun to watch. It wouldn't have been that fun I mean, yeah, to cut no, to on right. red zone right, at all. Right. Like, well, it's it's, it's like an yeah, it's product, like in the know? Premiership, right? Um, at the end of the year in the Premiership, the best games to watch are. The ones that determine, uh, you know, your top four or five placements for Champions Cup and the ones that determine relegation because there's yeah. so much at stake, millions and millions of dollars at stake at, at being relegated down from the premiership to whatever it's called, championship, league one, something like that, championship, I think. Um, 
so much at stake and promotion within the championship to the premiership. It that's extraordinarily fun. And so, you know, when there are huge stakes, these games are tons of fun to watch, right? But I it, it there's it just sucks that we can we can take somebody who's had a good performance and punish them for it. Yeah. So is Ted Lasso going to end with Richmond winning the Premier League? Is that going to be the final episode of the series? Oh, no spoilers. Whoa, hey, I didn't even we're know. We're not even close. Well no, I, I'm projecting like way down. Like, <laughs> I haven't seen I don't know. how many seasons do we think? Me neither. <laughs> There's a writer's strike. All TV bets are off. I don't know how much longer any show lasts. No chance that Ted Lasso didn't complete filming before that writer's strike. Lasso is well, Yeah, it's like yeah. seasons and seasons on. yeah. But it's oh yeah, all, yeah, all bets are off. Otherwise, after that, uh, unless you're Jimmy Fallon, I guess. What's he yeah. doing? Late nights. Are oh, different. he's he's the one late night show that did not pay his writers through the strike. So, oh, good mm. stuff. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, nah, not a Fallon Killer. guy. Excellent. Killer. Yeah, I wasn't either, and now I'm less of one. <laughs> Fallon just never felt like he was Funny? authentically creative himself yeah. like i felt like he was propped up very much by games and teleprompters but i'd i'd much rather go with kimmel i, I like late night yeah. fallon but yeah. now prime time fallon uh, it's just yeah, i didn't, I didn't like right. any fallon i didn't like mm. snl fallon i didn't like late late night fallon i don't like i didn't like fever pitch fallon. fallon yeah yeah um all right on air production meeting so i had an idea for a draft we're at 47 minutes i think we should hold this because we've got the whole summer ahead and uh, and do it another time. Cool. Are we tease. ending early or are we filling this with uh, something else? Anything you guys want to talk about? I'm content giving our listeners back like 12 minutes of their life. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they that. want. They want to stop listening. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, Nod your head if you're listening at home that you want us to stop talking. <laughs> Just blink twice. <laughs> hey, to those listening now, our everydayers, we appreciate it. The metrics, the metrics do suggest that people stop listening to us before the end of the show. Can you believe that? About I, a half that, hour. That's it stuns me. Universal. It stuns me. But we thank you, those of you that have stuck with us until the very end, and we're going to allow you to go on with your day. Um, comment below, though. Should there be an NFL draft lottery? Let us know on YouTube, Locked On Sports Minnesota. We're also free and available wherever you get your podcasts on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Coming up today, we've got our top five one-hit wonders dropping on Minnesota Sports Rankum. We've got the roundtable Friday morning with Luke, Reggie, Ron, and myself. And then the week starts anew on Monday with uh, OTA week for the Vikings and the Minnesota Football Party debuting once again on Monday. Uh, that's Luke. That's Luke. That's Arif. I'm Sam. Thanks for listening and watching, and we'll talk to you next time on the Minnesota Football Party.